You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Now I have to be honest with you, I've struggled this week. Sometimes things come easily, sometimes they don't. I, I don't know the nature of it other than it just happens, and I know sometimes it's spiritual, sometimes it's the dude trying to get it from the Lord <laughs> gets in the way. I think sometimes it's just the nature of it. I, I will say this, I've never felt the overwhelming sense of just things over the church like I've felt recently. And it's hard sometimes as a pastor to want to navigate through it because innately I'm, I'm an encourager. I'm, I'm a, I'm, I can fire you up, get you through that wall. We'll all go through it together. The problem that lies is that what happens when you get to the other side and you don't have the motivation and self to keep going. And so I've, I've come to a conclusion, maybe as I'm getting older, that it's not my job to hype you up. It's just my job to point you to truth. And that my hope is that your encounter with Jesus will cause you to want to go further and faster for him. It's not about works. So I'm going to present to you something today that may seem very basic. You might say, well, man, we know this, but... I don't know if we do. I, I, I wonder how much we really do know as the body of Christ. I've always amazed at the Lord, the things that I think I figured out of him, and then he shows me another fa- facet of it. It says that even the creatures, they, they worship Jesus, and every time he turns, God turns another way. They see a different side of him, and they, they just cry out again. It's like there's new facets in heaven they're discovering. <laughs> how do we think with our little minds that we could figure out Jesus here on earth? So, Today, I want to encourage you as we go deep into 1 John. Of course, this is our third week. And we're going to talk about some things that John writes here in chapter 3 and 4. So 1 John 4, let's, let's just get into the text and we'll go from there. See what happens. See what the Lord does. I'm open for some edits here today. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. Today, I want to talk to you about next level love. Next level love. We're going to go to the next level in our love. Would you just say that? I'm ready to go to the next level. (laughs) There is so many different facets of love in our earthly relationships, right? And and I've I've kind of broken down to five areas that I feel like we go through stages of relational love. We, we know there's different aspects of love. We know agape love is the, the highest love. That's, that's the love that God loves us with, and it's just a whole nother love. But we have other relationship kind of levels that we go through. The first one is, is dating. Now, I know there's people in this room, that's your relationship you're at right now. And, and listen, we pray for you a lot of times because it's tough out there. It's crazy out there. I mean, we have dating apps now where you can put a filter on it and write up a little write-up about you, what you hope to be one day, and then you roll up into that restaurant and you're not the person at all that was 
advertised on the app. And uh, I know that firsthand, not from me, but from people in my family that have experienced those things. And it's tough. We, you know, this is really the place where we kind of go, we like people. Love's not really even in the issue. It's just, man, girl looks good. You know, we we're going to go on a second date, you know? And you kind of have that involvement. In fact, the, the decisions that you're making in this level is real simple. Like, how much effort do I want to put into this relationship? Is this, are we going on a coffee date or are we going to Stony River? Like, what are we doing here? How, what level are we going to? And, and, and hopefully, you know, you, you understand that, you know, there's levels of outfit, there's levels of the relationship, r- r- restaurant, and then there's also background checks, doing a background check on Mr. Before You Show, amen, there you go. See, some of you, I know you're doing it. And ultimately, if, if it doesn't work out, you can always bail. And I also know that I've heard this from people as well, that they get these calls from their girlfriend. And uh, if the date isn't going so well, they answer the phone and say, oh, I got to go. There's an emergency. And it's already been pre-programmed in the relationship to call me at a certain time and we'll see what happens. Essentially, I am the captain of my own ship and destiny at this stage. There's another stage, and that's called the engagement stage. And maybe some of you are in that stage or wanting to be at that stage. That's when you're official. You want the world to know. And at that point, someone had to break the news that I love you. Isn't that awkward, the first one, right? Right, the first one to say that. Does anybody remember who was the first one in your relationship? Does anybody remember who that was? Because that's always interesting, right? You, you, you almost got to do a little bit of digging before you pop that question. Because God forbid you take them to a, a basketball game or a football game and it's already programmed to go up on the Trinitron or whatever that is, the LED screen, and, and you go to do that and everybody in the whole you know, stadium is waiting and the woman pauses for, it seems like a moment, it's really five hours in the man's mind. And those are very sketchy moments. You have to know Who is getting ready to say, I love you and I do? Decisions are like at this point of the stage is where we're going to live, what colored dishes we were going to register for. Anybody, you remember the dishes? Anybody still have the dishes that you got? Okay, there you go. Good for you. And what is your family like? How about that one? Of course, now I'm still the captain, but somebody just asked to board the ship. Now the third phase is the married phase. Now it's official, official. I'm getting out of this thing. Decisions are now as simple as what side of the bed I'm going to sleep on, (laughs) how often we're going to see your mother, and of course, how many kids we're going to have, (laughs) and what real jobs we're going to get now. We now share a bank account, and actually, we own two cars now. Isn't that fun? I remember those days. My wife's car became my car, and I get to pick which one I get to drive. Some of you don't even remember those days. They were so much fun. I got a co-captain now, and sometimes we fight over the navigation. Now, the, the next phase is the kid phase. That could be biological, could be adopted, could be stepkids, whatever it is. The future is now thought about more than ever before. Decisions are now when to take a nap because we're exhausted. Names for the kids that we just created. We need a bigger house and a minivan even though we only have one kid. Some of you just get a little too ahead of yourself. I'm now a professional safety inspector. I rigged the house so well, I can't even get into the kitchen cabinets anymore. I remember those days. You had to hit that little lever to open the door, and sometimes like I give up. Every action I have has repercussions now because I have a little mini-me following me and emulating everything I do and say. In fact, my teacher at school now knows all the things I say at home because my daughter or son says everything, right? You can no longer watch Walking Dead, 
Because now you feel convicted. Come on now, don't raise your hand. I know who you are. I can tell because you're walking dead. No, I can tell because one night you woke up and your kid was walking through your room like this and you had a nightmare. Is that kid dead? What's going on here? You changed from walking dead, thank you Jesus, to Peppa Pig, Cocomelon, or Bluey. Wow, what an audience. But you still complain about it not being as good as Sesame Street or The Electric Company or Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Us captains now have a crew and very rarely do they play fair. In fact, many times I feel like they're getting ready to cause a mutiny in the ship. Now, the last stage, I'm not there, but I know some of you in this room are, and I heard this is called the twilight years or the grandkid error. This is the moment where everything is great. I've heard people tell me, wait till you get grandkids. Ooh, everything about life is great when you get older. In fact, you remember it's great, but you also know that life is but a vapor. The biggest challenges are now, what will I do with my day? because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. My regrets are what they are. My victories are what I celebrate and talk about. Everything I used to worry about when I was young was stupid, including who was the captain of my life at any moment. My grandkids are great. Legacy matters. I'm not worried about trying to impress others or be something, and I spend more time pouring into others because that's eternal. Finally, God was really the captain all along. What I did for him was the only thing that mattered concerning the game plan of life. The color of dishes never really mattered, nor did the side of the bed that I fought over really matter. The size of my house wasn't important because my kids just wanted to be around me anyway. I can't even remember the kind of car I had and why I paid so much for them. And I have a hard time remembering the names of the people that I spent so much time trying to impress. But... In these years, I wish I had rectified some of the relationships I ran away from, and I wish I had more kids. I can't tell you how many people have told me that. I wish we would have had more kids and spent more time with the ones I did have. Now, why am I saying this? Because what I've noticed is, is that as I've studied people and talked to people, I've realized everybody says the same thing. But for some reason, when we're younger, we think that we're smarter, better, wiser than our parents or our grandparents. I want to figure this out. John was this way, the author of this book, 1 John. He was this way. In fact, we know that John was probably in his teenage years or early 20s when he followed Jesus. In fact, John and his brother James were in a very successful fishing business. Now, Scripture talks about this. They probably had his, his dad, Zebedee, had probably a fleet of ships and many employees. This was not some side hustle. This was not some dude that's just fishing on the weekend. He literally, scripture says in Matthew 4, 2, that it says that immediately when Jesus called him, it says immediately they left the boat, they left their father, and they followed Jesus. This is a major decision. Now, we also know that John, as we talked about, he was portrayed as passionate, fiery, impulsive, and he was very young. And the reason why we know this is, again, like last week we talked about, that they, Jesus dubbed him the son of thunder. So if you know anything about thunder, because we've experienced a lot of it this week, how exciting was it to see rain this week? Hallelujah. I was like, I'm going to go out and jump in muddy puddles like Peppa Pig right now. I, I noticed this about thunder. Thunder is no threat. Thunder is loud, but it doesn't cause problems. It's the lightning. Maybe that's what Jesus was doing when he said, you're the son of thunder. You talk a good game but you're not fully powered yet. Now, he did change over time. We know this. In fact, some historians believe that his mother 
Shalom was possibly the sister of Jesus's mother, Mary. So if that is true, then he would have been the cousin of Jesus. Now, he left his successful business, and here's the interesting thing about it. He was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you've been to Israel, Sea of Galilee is not very big, but there was also another business flourishing on the Sea of Galilee run by two other brothers called Peter and Andrew. It's interesting that Jesus called two brothers from the same business to come together and follow him. You can imagine sitting around the fire, there's competition, you know, because there probably was competition on the Sea of Galilee. And John the Baptist, or I should say John the Apostle, had to now leave a successful business and walk in with his competition. We know that there were three very close to Jesus, Peter, James, and John, James and John, the brothers, and they got to experience parts of Jesus that no one else ever got to experience. They were there when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter, they were in the room. They were also with Jesus when he was transfigured. I don't know what that could have been like, but it was amazing. They were on the mountain with him. They saw Jesus sweating drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. They were brought into the most intimate parts of Jesus, and it radically transformed John. John is mentioned roughly 50 times in the New Testament, which is second only to Peter. He and Peter are often mentioned together as partners in ministry throughout Acts. And here's the interesting thing about John. He went from being called the son of thunder to now in the word, Galatians 2, 9, him and Peter were considered the pillars of the church. What changed in John? How did he change this like this? John, John in his writings now in 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, and even the book of Revelation, he was probably in maybe late 90s or maybe even 100 years old. So not only did he walk with Jesus for three years, but now he had probably been empowered by the Holy Spirit for somewhere around 80 years. 80 years of walking the earth, dealing with all the things it would have taken to start a brand new thing called the way. And now, why am I saying this? Because I want you to understand that when John mentions things in this text, it's not some young buck with just shooting from the hip, just giving you some information that, you know, hopefully it works. Hopefully this letter sticks. You're hearing from a seasoned saint that had gone through it. That he had experienced the highs and lows of Christianity. He knew and knows what you're going through. So when he says things, I listen through that ear. That's why I want you to understand the history of it because I want you to understand that this is important. And there's four purposes in his writing in the book or the letter of 1 John. These four things he mentions. He mentions, number one, that true Christians must have joy. 1 John, verse 1 through 4. And we are writing these things that our joy may be complete. Church, you cannot be a stuck-up, miserable, cantankerous Christian. That is not part of your job description. You should be so full of joy that there should be no hype people in the church to get you excited. One day, I'm telling you, the church is going to erupt with joy and we're going to finally figure it out. Number, one, number two, he says, the church, true Christians should be holy. First John 2, 1, my little children, I am writing these things so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He wants you to be holy. Do you know that is not just for pastors? 
<laughs> that is not just for older people that have done all the sinning in the past and now they got nothing else to do. It's for everyone. We are to be holy like he is holy. Number three, he says, correct doctrine. I want you to know the word because there are antichrists and there are false prophets coming out. First John 2, 26 says, I write these things that you will know about those that are trying to deceive you. They're still around today. And number four, the last one, the thing that he wants every Christian to be known for is to know that they are truly saved. You can know that. You can know that. 1 John 5, 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Let me say this to you, friends, today. Jesus radically transformed John. He was not the same person. In fact, I wonder if he went back to his dad every so often and he would just show up and there's his dad just, just angry because he lost his two sons and he's, he's now he's old and he's like, I got to do all this work. Where's my sons? And here comes John and John's like, who, who are you? Who are you, John and James? You're not the same kids that used to work for me before. You're radically changed. John went from being so fiery and passionate to making these two words the emphasis of his ministry, light and love, light and love. That's all he talks about in 1 John, light and love. May the light of God, may the love of God. He's trying to get us so used to these verbiage that not only do we say it, but we become it. God, this is what John says. He says that there is, in, it's almost impossible, let me say this, it's impossible for a Christian who doesn't experience change, that every Christian should be radically transformed by Jesus. It doesn't mean that a true Christian changes all at once or achieves some kind of moral perfection. He mentions that. But that throughout 1 John, three categories simply reveal that someone cannot become a Christian without experiencing a transformation in these three ways. Number one, theologically. Your beliefs change. You, do you believe that Jesus is the eternal God who became a man and died for our sins? Number two, morally, your lifestyle changes. You can't watch the old shows you used to watch. Can't do the things you used to do. Do you admit that you're a sinner and want to stop sinning and live a holy life like Jesus? Number three, societal. Your relationships change. They should change. When you receive God's love, it's a response to him and to other Christians. Only next level love will radically change a person. John was reset. Now, I didn't even get into my part yet, and I'm going to try to do my best in 15 minutes, but I will say this. I want you to know, and this is the reason why I just sat on that for a while. I want you to understand that this is the kind of radical change you should be known for. This is the kind of radical change I should be known for. And when people that knew me back then see me now, they should go, something's different with that dude. And it's not something you could fake on Sunday because God knows people still see you and they still hear you. And let me just say to all the social media experts, you can angle it and filter it and edit it, but the reality is people see through it. And I want this church to be known for next level love. So I want to give you four ingredients. This is where we're going today. This is it. Four ingredients to next level love. Basic message about love, but powerful and true. If we do this, we can transform the areas around us. Number one, your love level is an indication of your relationship with God. Going back to the dating analogy, when someone says, I love you, it's a huge deal. And the hope is, right, that that seals the relationship. You can't hang out be in love and never go to the next level, right? I mean, if you do, something's up. Ladies, that's why Beyonce wrote a song 
if you like it, then you better put a ring on it because at some point, your love should take us. I just said Beyonce in church. I, you should take you to another level. Chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. DC Talk, I'm sorry, love is not a verb. Some of you OGs know what I'm talking about. Love is a noun. Love is actually a person. God is love. I want you to hear me. He doesn't have to love you. He doesn't have to convince himself to love you. He is the very essence of love. It's what he is. If the kingdom was literally on a map and in the middle of the kingdom was the, the, the place of residency of God, that was the throne room. God is seated. That was where love would be in the middle of the kingdom. And everything from the kingdom, from the streets to the streams, to the houses and businesses, to the people, to the dogs and cattle, everything in the kingdom would ooze of love because love is the center. It's the essence. It's the main ingredient. You can't build a, a cake without love if God is making it because everything he does reeks of love. There's nothing more important than love. In fact, let me just say it this way. If love is number one, the second ingredient is so foreign and so far away that it's in another area code. That's how important love is. So our relationship to go to the next level, it's got to be in love with him. Number two, it's a response. Your next level love is a two-way response to God's love. This is the same essence of when somebody proposes and they present you a ring and a question. You're waiting on a response, right? And you're, wait, you're hoping, please accept me. Like, I'm on my knee. I am ready. I am ready. And at that point, that defines your relationship, whether she says yes or no. God is waiting for a response. The reality is, is he doesn't question his love for you. He's never thinking like, do I love Madison Owens? Do I really? I, I, it's like, I love her. Now waiting for a response, waiting for us to respond. That's why worship is so key. It's not just a, an opening act to the word. It is part of the experience. Worship is me declaring my love back to him. That's why it says, I can never grow tired of telling you you're worthy. There are so many ways I could sing of your glory. Gosh, if you just sing the words, I'm telling, listen, let me remind you, when you were at first in love, even songs on the radio, made you cry like you were just so in love everything you saw flowers and you're like I love flowers a bird I love birds because you were just so in love some of you it's been a long time you're looking at me like I, I've never seen that happen when you're in love everything tastes better it does. Everything looks good. And he says this in chapter four. He says this, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. Pastor Mark, that's a big word. It's the word atonement. Pastor Mark, that's a big word. It's the word payment. He made a payment for your sins. I liken to it like this. He wrote a check and he dated it the day that you would sin. And so every time you sin, he has a check written for it already. Even the sins you're going to do, he already paid for it. He made atonement. He made a payment for it. Wow. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That's the response. Love from God brings me back into love with him that begins to allow me to be a conduit to love other people. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. We love because he first loved us. It's a response. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. 
I looked up the Greek and that means he doesn't tell the truth. So you can't hate someone and say you love God. You can't. You can't, you can't claim to be a lover of Christ and hate the people around you. We use love so flippantly, right? I love my new car. I love this song. I love this restaurant. I love my nails. My daughters went out and got new nails. I love my nails. I love my fake eyelashes. Ladies, I'm on to you. They're not yours. I know it. I could tell. I love my zero turn. I, I was on my zero turn yesterday. I loved it. I was like, I love you. I don't even know your name, but I love you. I, I, you love your bed. How many go, wow, I love my bed. You've said it many times. Own up to it. We use the word love out of context. Then we have to beg our parents to tell us that they love us. We have to beg our spouse, just tell me you love me. We'll use love so flippantly. God says, don't use love so flippantly because I am love. Maybe next time you say that to someone, really think about it. Do I mean this? I don't have time to get into it, but in, in this particular letter, John mentions one story in the Old Testament. I thought, why is that so interesting? He mentions the story of Cain and Abel. In the aspect of love, why do you put that in there? And I'll tell you why, because actually in Hebrews 11.4, it gives us the answer to the dilemma of Cain and Abel. Th those of you that don't know the story of Cain and Abel, they were two brothers, actually the first two born into sin of the world from Adam and Eve. Cain brings this offering. Abel brings an offering. Cain's offering is not accepted by God. Abel's is. Cain gets mad, kills Abel. Wow, what a horrible story. Right off the bat. That's right. Jump right into the Bible. Here we go. Murder, intrigue, you know. Wow. <laughs> I was always wondered, like, what happened with that? What's the deal with that? But Hebrews 11.4 says this, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, to which he was commended as righteous. What does that mean? Because when Abel presented his offering to the Lord, he gave the best. He was so in love with God that he knew, I, I, I can't give him the, 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 the sheep in the back with the broken leg. I, I'm going to give him the best one. Cain just brought whatever he had to because he knew it was an obligation. Now, why am I saying this? Because it costs something for Abel to give to the Lord. That's why without faith, we can't give love to other people. Let me put it this way. There's a lot of mean people out there. There literally are people out there that have done you harm in your life. It's true. Some of you have been abused physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I don't know. Some of you have been done wrong, and it's really legitimately hurt you. So how in the world, God, are you going to tell me that I got to love that person now? It's through faith. The only way I can love them is through faith because I have to trust the Lord that he will give me the love to actually give to them. Have you ever been in a love deficit where you actually were like, Lord, I don't think I can love that person anymore. And God says, I've loved you through your junk. Let me pour my love through you so that you can love people in faith and give them an acceptable offering instead of just cashing it in. Number three, next level love. It's your identity. Your love level comes from your identity of abiding in Christ. Pastor Josh, just make sure they, I'll tell you when they can come out. <laughs> I'm going to roll here. Your love level comes from your identity of abiding in Christ. Let me give you an example. When you got married, ladies, your name changed. Men, your bank account became one. Woo, somebody got a better end of that deal. 
pretty sure that when Leanne and I got married, we were so young that neither one of us had anything. We just started from scratch. <laughs> Your address changes. It's a huge deal. When you confessed Jesus as Savior and Lord, your identity changes. By this, verse 13 of chapter 4, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love of God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in him abides in God and God abides in us. Can you imagine that the creator of the universe now abides in you? God's nature transforms you. And here's the good news about God. Let me give you a little insight on him. He always speaks into your identity before he asks you to change. Because what I found is if you try to change without understanding who you are, it's like putting on a costume and becoming something that you're really not. That's why everybody has this allure with Halloween. They go around, they dress like something, but you're really not a pirate. You're not a dinosaur. You're just pretending to be that. But when you come into Christ, he transforms your identity. He begins to tell you, Tim, you are a son of God. See, the difference between Tim trying to do it without being changed is him walking from an orphan state as opposed to a son state. Now you know who you are. God speaks into your identity. He tells you. And as you begin to learn your identity, that level of love transforms your nature. And until we get transformed in our identity, we'll always be striving to get rid of that sin that we can never get over. And if you're like me, you've been before the Lord. We're like, God, if you get me out of this, I won't do it again. Next day, if you get me out of this, I mean it right now. I won't do it again. I'm mad three times a charm, God. I promise you, four times. I know we've been here before. Let's just get it over with. Please help me. Fifth time, I don't even want to tell you anymore. Some of you have confessed to God so many times, you've just given up because you've not understood that your level of love comes from your identity of abiding in Christ. Number four, last one, your confidence. Your love level is based in the confidence of your future. This is the grandkid stage. This is the older twilight years. This is when you stop worrying about proving yourself to people. You know what I love about the older generation in this church? You did it already. You don't care. You talk, you, you get right to the point. I love that. You know, the pleasantries. sometimes you just, look, this is messed up. Stop doing this. You know, I love that. Sometimes you need a little bit of sugar on that thing, but the reality is you realize life is short and we need to get to the point. And you know what? We focus on the future because guess what? What I did in the past is in the past. Now I want to pour into the next generation. I'm not going to sit here trying to prove myself, trying to get into, I'm going to be a better, I'm going to learn. I'm going to, you know, usually when you get older, you don't start a new career. You know what you do? You start pouring into other people. Man, what if we did that when we were 16? What if we did that when we were 24? What if we figured it out now? That's what John's trying to say. Chapter 4, verse 17, By this love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because he is, so also are we in the world. Now listen to this. I want you to hear this. Verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. What is John saying? He's saying, it's not that if you have love, you'll never be scared. What he's saying is if you truly have love, 
you will be transformed to not worry about the future. You're not worried about where you're going. You're not worried about your destination. You're not worried about, is God real? Perfect love. The love of God transform you and it casts out fear of the future. You now know, I will not be punished before the day of reckoning. I will stand before the Father and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want people to hear. And that's what John is trying to say. What level of love are you with Jesus? Are you the captain of your own ship still in destiny? Or did you realize that God is the captain? And what you do for him and others matters. Everything changes, Southview. Your belief, your lifestyle, and your relationships when you are transformed by his love. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the Son sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.